With the holidays just around the corner, Macy's makes it easy to get your online orders fast with contact-free curbside pickup or pickup inside the store. Need it now? Try same-day delivery powered by DoorDash, available in select locations. Plus, shop early and late with extended store hours right up to the last minute. And don't forget, if you're getting your purchases delivered by mail, make sure you place your order by December 18th on Macy's.com. Some exclusions apply. Pickup and same-day delivery valid for most in-stock items at select stores only. Hey guys, it's Varsha, and this episode was sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. You guys can record a podcast using Anchor in a fun and easy way. You can also add music and other features to make your podcast even better. Anchor automatically distributes your podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and various other platforms. You guys can also listen to podcasts on Anchor as well. The best part of Anchor is it's also free at no cost. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's your host Varsha and Mega and welcome back to another episode of Real Time with Mega Varsham. Today, we have a unique guest here with us. Hey everyone, I'm super excited for today's episode. Today, we have a feminist life coach from Texas. I'm so excited to talk about feminism since it's such a controversial topic. Here is Ms. Jen Pavich and thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. We we were really excited to have you. Yeah. Super excited what? to talk about whatever, you know, aspects of feminism that you ladies would love to talk about. Mm-hmm. I wanted to start off by saying like what do you do? You're a life coach, so what does that mean? Yeah, so um I'm a feminist life coach, which basically means that I work with women to kind of figure out what it is that they really want, whether that's in terms of like their career, their relationship, you know, just general things that they want in their life. And then to figure out like, what are the things that are holding them back? And a lot of those things that can be holding them back can be things that come from our culture that are to do with kind of, you know, the fact that we live in a patriarchal culture and that tells women a lot of things about themselves that aren't really very helpful for us. What does feminism mean? Well, I think that feminism means, you know, in some ways it means different things to different people. And in other ways, it's the simplest definition in the world. Feminism really just means the belief that women are equal to men and should be treated equally. Yeah. What has been the history of feminism? Like uh, traditionally, women did not have many rights as we do right now and but still they don't so do you want to explain about that yeah i mean i think there's a lot of different histories of feminism and it's looked different places um throughout the world over history but i think you know really as far back as we can look we can find instances of women coming together and trying to make their lives better and trying to stand up to systems that did not serve them. So I think, you know, and that looks different in different places, right? You know, sometimes that's had to do with having the right to pursue an education or, you know, pursue particular careers or that kind of thing. Sometimes, you know, when we think about a hundred years ago last month, women in the U.S., for example, were seeking suffrage and the right to vote. 
Um, there are countries in the world where women still have to fight for the right to vote or the right to hold public office um, and and that kind of thing. So I think it just it looks different in different places throughout history. But the thread that's kind of the same to me is this idea of really working toward equity and also you know, there's a long history of women coming together in a really collaborative way to do that. Mm -hmm. And another topic we had was the inferiority complex. So long time ago, women had fewer rights and like we didn't see them, you know, being doctors, engineers, because they always Mm -hmm. had to obey their husbands and like work at home and take care of their children. Why are men put in high regard? Wow. You know, that um, that's a question that might be a little bit beyond me, like how the whole system of patriarchy started. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some research to indicate that things were not always this way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think if we look at like the history of various cultures and religions, many of the ones that are kind of dominant throughout the world today are ones that, you know, have really sort of put women into like a, a pretty small box of what they're allowed to be. Um, So, you know, I think sort of seeing that like happen, you know, either all at once or over time is definitely a part of that. And even now, like, you know, we think about, yes, like women have more rights now than they did certain periods in history. But also when we look at things like reproductive rights, um, women have fewer rights now than we did, say, 10 years ago. That's true. So, you know, it's there's a bit of a, a backslide that I would say has happened in the last maybe 15 to 20 years. And I also think that, you know, there's having rights on paper and then there's actually being able to, you know, take advantage of those rights in person, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm working in like a big corporation, yeah, I might have the right to go after like legally a higher Mm -hmm. position or a higher job or whatever, But, you know, that's not necessarily meaning that the culture of wherever I'm working is going to kind of allow that to happen, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The glass ceiling isn't always a legal structure. Sometimes it's more of a cultural mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't know if you guys have heard, or Mago or Miss Jen, um, but, like, I think last year or, like, a few years back, my dad was talking about how some places are having this law of population control. And, like, you can only have, like, two children or something. Or, like, so they're trying to control the population because mm-hmm. so many families and mothers are having, like, ten kids or, like, more than four, you know, more than. And, like, the population is, like, increasing and it's not good. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that gets into, like, a lot of things sort of around reproductive right. rights, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, if you look exactly. at um, you when China had the one-child rule mm-hmm. or, conversely, when you look at, you know, societies where women don't have any rights and where birth control is illegal, you know, Mm -hmm. you have women having just child after, you know, Mm -hmm. it essentially, you know, can be their entire reproductive years are spent having baby after baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And another topic we wanted to address was the topic of rape. And like, we've seen like so many, you know, cases being increasing. Like now it's like unsafe to walk out at night. Like, for me, too, my parents won't let me out at night because of this reason. Because, like, you don't know what will happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's some places where it's, like, safe. Like, Singapore, it's, like, super safe to walk outside. And, like, another place, I forgot which. But 
was super safe like even a baby can like walk outside like that safe <laughs> <laughs> and so what can we do about that situation like how do we try to stay safe even though it's like a question that many people you know don't have a direct answer so what do you think about yeah that? so i mean i think that you know depending on where you live certain rape yeah. statistics may have gone up i think another thing to kind of point out is i'm not necessarily sure that the actual incidents of rape are increasing so much as i think that things are being reported more often mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah um and potentially you know hopefully prosecuted more often right mm-hmm. yeah um because so many in so many places um you know different cities throughout the US like for example here in Austin for um you know years there was this backup of rape kits from the hospital that had never been tested never been mm-hmm. tested for DNA never been tested for anything never used to pursue an investigation and you know that kind of thing can be really disheartening if you're a woman who this happens to and you're thinking about you know it's a big deal to decide to report there are consequences to reporting there are consequences to not reporting right yeah um but you know to know that you did have the courage to report and all of that and then nothing came of it i think is just mm-hmm. one of the most frustrating things i've ever heard of exactly Yeah. yeah, and another question I had was like why do you think again this question is like not many like people wonder about but then there's no direct answer to it. But anyways, I'll say it. Why are women why do you think women are like prey to abusers? Like why are we always the one who's like attacked on? Yeah, I think that a lot of that comes from our culture, right? Like when we mm-hmm, look right. at the things that we see on TV, the things that we see on the internet, like kind of just the general perception of women, the number one message that women are given from the day that they're born and that men are given about women is mm-hmm. that the most important thing about us is how we look. Mhm. We're there to be decorative, right? Like mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, even if nobody's coming out and saying it like that, Like look at, you know, the products that are advertised to women, the way that they're advertised, like all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, we live in a culture that constantly objectifies women. Right. And when, you know, the messaging is telling both men and women from the time that they're very young that women are objects and men are people mm-hmm. that have the right to do whatever they want with objects. Mm-hmm. It's not really surprising to see that play out in the culture. Right. And that's not to excuse like, you know, abusers. Right, right. Yeah. But it's kind yeah. of just the the result of of what we're conditioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like a lot of cases I've been hearing like are in India most of the time and like sometimes it's like, you know, they're dead and then they find the body and then they find mm-hmm. the the abusers like, you know, months later or like days later, you know, they get a this certain punishment like they're they have charges against them. So mm-hmm. sometimes the charges are like what um you know 10 years in prison or like you know a life sentence right mm-hmm. and so what do you think like how long should it be like the punishment i mean you know i i think that's tough to say but i mm-hmm. i also think that there is kind of a a pattern mm-hmm. in a lot of cultures including you know in the US right. where it's almost like this idea of if a man goes out and kills a stranger that's like a horrible crime. Mm-hmm. If he kills yeah. his wife or his girlfriend, like that's still bad but somehow not right. quite as bad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think until we like address that, 
Because in a way, like, if you think about it, you know, if you kill the person that should be able to trust you the most, like, that's worse, actually. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, but I do think it's just like a, a kind of a perception that we have, like, um, and it's like literally so common mm-hmm. that when you're watching the news, like, what's the first thing that happens when a woman gets killed? Mm-hmm. They look yeah. at the husband or the boyfriend, right? Like, yeah, right. Because a large percentage of the time, that's as far as they need to look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, another topic was child marriage. Um, problems are really huge in India because in India, poor villages, especially children, are married under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Because of, you know, money problems, that's why yeah, and they like, get married. Yeah, and survival yeah. as well because, you know, their family do- don't have money to, you know, support mm-hmm. everyone and their children. So what they do is like, you know what, our best decision right now is marry someone. And like, I always get sad and it's like really... Like, honestly, when you hear about it, it's like super sad and like a lot of people like get emotional because, you know, the youngest person I ever, I read this story about this young girl and she was only like eight or seven years old. And like she, there's this picture where she had a baby and Mega was saying too, right? You were saying yeah. like, oh my God, it's so sad. A lot of like when I, so I did give a speech about it last year in November. So oh, wow, was, was that at we, school? No, like it was like at this. To- it was like this. It's called Toastmasters International. Oh yeah, it's like a yeah organization. So oh my I gosh, actually... I love it so much that you're in Toastmasters. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Like yeah, it's a great initiative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like an eight week program for just um, teenagers in general. So I was yeah, like, that's why not? Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So while I was doing the research, um, I found out that childbirth actually leads to death. Because they're, you know, they're not, the body's not mm-hmm. fully developed and it's like super sad, honestly. And it's like, yeah. we don't really know, like maybe a child marriage happening right now, but we don't know it. And it, cause it's like in poor villages, you won't even find, mm-hmm. you have to go inside, you know, forest somewhere. And like the, what happens up being is that the parents get arrested and stuff like that. And I also found this interesting fact is that people, let's say who didn't report it, but I saw it going on. I would get 10 years in prison and a 20 year wow. sentence if a man marries a child as well as parents always go to jail mm-hmm. and Tanzania actually declared I don't know which year but they declared that child marriage is unconstitutional and Africa is also another the second um yeah I used to be on the board of an organization that did a lot of work you know with girls education in oh, Kenya yeah. and um one of the reasons that we were doing it is because the public schools only go through eighth grade there. So in order for, um, you know, students to go to high school, they have to pay tuition. And what often happens, particularly, you know, in the rural families that we were working with is, you know, number one, if they have a boy, the boy gets to go. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of families can't afford the tuition um, Mm -hmm. to send their daughters to high school. So instead what often happens is that they are married off. Mm-hmm. right after eighth grade and often you know to someone that's quite a bit older than them often they're not you know they're a second or third wife so the solution of the organization I was working with was to mm-hmm. fund the girls to go to high school instead but it really you know like what you're talking about it's a matter of life and death um mm-hmm. childbirth is one of the leading causes of death of adolescent girls in Africa mm-hmm. wow. um and for exactly the reasons that you're talking about, right? Like bodies are just not developed to the mm-hmm. point to carry yeah. a child term in adolescence, especially yeah. early adolescence. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and like honestly, I feel like we should take actions against it. And like, if you guys want to help the cause, then you guys can donate in the link provided below. And another fact that we found out is that if we don't act now, the number of girls married as children will actually double by 2050, and Africa wow. will be the region with the highest number of child brides in the world. Wow, that's, that's really that, serious. Yeah. yeah, that's really crazy. So my friend actually asked me this, like about as she, she had a question about you know this feminism talk. She was so super passionate about it, and she actually sent me questions for you, Miss Jen, to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. her thought was she, she literally sent me like a four, what four paragraphs about it, and it was questions. So I was like, wow, you're super passionate.、And、she's like, yeah, these are questions I've been wondering about. So I would like to answer her questions in this podcast. So. One question is that so many families and many many religions, you know, when they have a son, it's like a huge honor. They're like, oh my god, we're so proud. They have have a whole celebration and stuff like that. But then <laughs> when they have a daughter, what happens? They're being like, they always just comment on them and say, oh, what a shame, guys. Now what do we do with our daughter? Why couldn't we have a son? And they like curse like God or something like that. So why do you think that is? Like you know, the world is not gonna end. You have a daughter. They can still move on in the future. Females and males should be equal. So why do you think you know people have that mindset? So I think you know it really has to do with what we value. You know, in、mm-hmm. in different cultures and the majority of cultures in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Value men more highly than they do women, and then I think the other thing that it has to do with is like this idea of roles, right? Like、mm-hmm. I noticed,、um, you know, in the notes that you all sent me, like you you talked about like having a son that was going to be like an heir or like somehow carry on,、mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be, the family business, the family, whatever. And I think that even in cultures that might think that they value both genders equally. Mm-hmm. You still see people in families kind of put into these roles, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is some of the, you know one of the things that's really come out a lot during the quarantine、mm-hmm. is that you know really it's become much more apparent how much more women typically do around the house than men, even in households where both parties might have said that、mm-hmm. they were equal ahead of time.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just kind of the default, you know. A lot of these things kind of come about unconsciously, and then you do it enough times, and it becomes like a habit, right?、Mm-hmm. Right.、Um, but I think, you know, for example, in families with like adult children,、right. I think that when parents have like an issue, and I'm thinking of people that are kind of like my parents' age right now, like they're,、um, God, they're like in their late sixties. <laughs> My dad just turned seventy. Yeah, yeah.、Um, so you know, but I think like whenever something goes wrong or when they need something,、mm-hmm. like I can tell you hands down, it would not in a million years occur to them to call my brother. Like never.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> If they need to be taken care of, I am like the first one on the phone. <laughs>、oh. um, yeah. yeah. Or anything to do with like something like that, you know. And、mm-hmm. if they can't get a hold of me, I suspect that they go to my sister next, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it is kind of this like underlying expectation that women are going to be the one that kind of take care of everyone, and that men are going to be the one that supply the money, whether、yeah. that's true or not, right? Like because、yeah. you see those expectations. Put on couples, even where they're the woman is the one who makes more money. 
right? Mm-hmm. And that's the one yeah. that like, you know, like my husband and I have been through periods where he was the one staying home with our son and I was the one working. And I can tell you like, it's still like, we had to constantly sort of override that expectation from other people, whether it was like our families or our kids' schools or like whatever, that I was the the primary caretaker and he mm-hmm. was the breadwinner. Like it was just yeah. constantly having to like say, nope, you know, my daughter's uh-huh. sick at school. My husband's home. You should be calling him, not me, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like stereotypes that women have. Like as you were saying that after to do like household chores, they're the mm-hmm. one who produces you know, the offspring. So like they're the one who takes care of the child. Traditionally, you know, like women have to obey their husbands. I'll add on to what Mega said. So the other exa- the other stereotype is that in some traditions, females can wear clothing that exposes skin, like in some religions and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a you know a law, right? And so they can only wear clothing that follows religion, or it's just not appealing to or approvable to their relatives and parents. Like, why do you, what do we do with these stereotypes? Yeah, that's really hard, right? And I would say that that's one that almost goes across all cultures. It's just different kind of levels of what it means, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, how often have you, I don't know, seen what someone was wearing at school and heard someone be like, oh, my God, she's dressed like a slut. You know, yeah. that's really the same thing, right? Mm-hmm, like, it's right. it's this idea of that we constantly want to be policing what women are wearing in a way that we don't do with men. And in fact, if you look at things like dress codes, um, yeah, yeah, you know, for high schools, middle schools, what have you, like 90% of the dress code is written about what women wear. Uh-huh. Oh my god, yes, yeah. that's exactly it's true. true. <laughs> you know, your straps have to be thicker than this, your shorts have to be longer yeah. than that, like okay. this can't be tight, this can't be showing, this can't be like whatever. And like, you know, I'm sure you've seen some of the memes about like what boys mm-hmm. get away with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh so god. many exactly. memes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean it's just another way of it just reinforces this idea that women are possessions, right? Because if if everything about our body is open to public policing, if everything about like our decisions and our responsibilities are kind of codified for us, then it's like kind of just reinforcing that notion that we're somehow, you know, property or less deserving of rights. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is it's not just men doing that to women. Like we're all growing up in this culture. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of times you see women doing it to each other. Like how many times have you heard a girl call another girl a slut? Yeah. So many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Every time that happens, it's like a blow to feminism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Because, like, our- you know, if we're policing what yeah. each other wears, like policing each other's sexual behavior, like you sure as hell don't see guys doing that to each other. Yeah. Exactly. That's so true. <laughs> and like part yeah. of the... Part of the reason also, I guess, like, probably we have dress codes because so boys won't, like, say anything mean because it looks revealing to them, right? So Right. But that's, you know, it's funny you say that. I used to work in um, a middle school, and that was, like, one of the biggest arguments that I had with a colleague. Oh, wow. Because he told some of the girls that what they were wearing was too distracting for the boys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know what? It's a very short step from your outfit is distracting to were you asking to be raped because of what you were wearing? 
Right. Exactly. Like, at yeah. the end of the day, it's not girls' responsibility to control how boys perceive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the responsibility of young men to exactly. control themselves, manage right. their emotions. Exactly. And, you know, like, I don't know, if I see somebody wearing a t-shirt that I don't like on the street, that doesn't mean I have the right to attack them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm expected to control myself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of, I think, high in high school especially, like, I've seen so many girls, like, wear outfits. And, like, when they ask me, like, oh, can't you wear this? Like, my best friend, they wear, like, shorts. It's, like, super mm-hmm. stylish. Isn't that what it's called? Shorts? Or is it? Yeah, I guess it's shorts. Um, and then so they're like, why don't you wear a version? And I'm like, you know what? I'm really insecure. So what do we do about insecurities? Like, should we try them? Like, what's your thoughts on, thought on that? So I think that usually when I hear young women talk about being insecure about wearing things, it has to do with how they think their body is supposed to look. And, you know, that's just another kind of product of patriarchy, right? Like right. this idea that we're all supposed to look the same way. Yeah. And it has to be like this. And, mm-hmm. you know, like there was a statistic in um, a study that Dove, the soap company, did a few years mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. that found that 95% of women don't feel like they meet the beauty ideal. Wow. wow. So if 95% of women don't feel like they're pretty or beautiful enough, mm-hmm. doesn't that say something about it how does. ridiculous the standard is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So I would encourage you to work to fall in love with the body that you have rather than, you know, the body that you think you're supposed to have. Okay. Yeah, that's a great advice. Because, like, I'm in about a lot of about a lot of things, mainly, like, fashion. So what about you, Mega? Having insecurities? Um, I mean, I guess the same thing about dressing. Like, yeah, I exactly. have a particular style or, like, a dress, style. things yeah. I wear. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, really. it's easy to kind of get into that, like, where you have what's kind of like your signature style or yeah. like your, you know, thing that you're used to wearing. And if that works for you, that's awesome. Yeah. And also, like, like in this day, like, so many people will, like, you know, they'll try on clothes and they'll say, oh, my God, no, these people won't like me in these clothes. Or, like, oh, no, look, I look too fat in this clothes or these, mm-hmm. this shirt does not make me look beautiful enough or like that's like a huge thing and yeah yeah and it's i mean it's tricky right because everybody you know like i'm not sitting here telling you that like everything i put on i look in the mirror and i'm like oh my god i'm awesome you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) but also you know finding like your style that makes you feel that way Mm -hmm. can be really powerful you know just being like okay this is me and this is what i look like so how do you know what's the style that really expresses who i am and makes mm-hmm. me feel happy yeah. when i wear it okay mm-hmm. um so we want to talk about more inequality for women um mm-hmm. for today's society so one of them is politics and voting rights so do you want to talk do you have any information on that yeah so um you know in many ways this is a really exciting time for women in politics, like we saw in 2018 in the U.S., like we elected a record number of women yeah. to office at like kind of every level, which is uh-huh. awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's super important for us to keep going because we're not even anywhere near equality yet. Right. Like mm-hmm. in terms of representation. Um, yeah. And when it comes to voting. So are, are y'all old enough to vote yet? Next year. No, next year. 
Oh, you're going to miss it this year, huh? I know. Yeah, I'm really bummed. I totally get that. I turned 18, um, like, six days after a presidential election. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, And, you know, I know there's a lot of um, kind of talk in, you know, different places about how young people don't vote enough and how not enough young people showed up Mm -hmm. to the election. Yeah last presidential election and that kind of thing and that's like kind of in my opinion led to like quite a bit of mudslinging against mm-hmm. millennials in the last mm-hmm. four years i know that they're a little bit older than you all if you know gen z is a little actually in my opinion gen z is a lot different from millennials but um yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know because i'm kind of like you know just barely older than like the oldest millennials and i i see a big difference i have two kids one's mm-hmm firmly in the millennials Mm -hmm. uh she's 25 and then my son just graduated high school last year Mm -hmm. so you know it's kind of i see i see the differences (laughs) (laughs) um but you know as much as like a lot of people are like all on about you know the younger people didn't vote and that's what happened historically younger people have never voted like, you know, I remember when I was like 18, 19 years old, people were like, why don't young people vote? Rah, 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 rah. You know, yeah. like, I mean, it's always kind of been that way. And I, I, I'm not saying I think that's okay, but I'm just saying there is like a historical precedent for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think one of the things that I really noticed, um, did y'all watch the Democratic National Convention at all? No. <laughs> um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched like bits of it. But one of the things that I noticed when, you know, other than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like, you know, when AOC was talking, like this part notwithstanding, but like the whole rest of it, I just remember like sitting there and thinking like, my God, they're all so old. Like, I mean, and not, you know, I'm not trying yeah. to be ageist yeah. or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think if you had, you know, I don't know, just landed here from a different planet and you thought we had an actual representative democracy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think that you would have watched the DNC and been like, oh my gosh, so the median age in the US must be around 65? Like, <laughs> um, because it was just, you know, again, it's like still, by and large, my parents' generation, that's ruling everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the baby boomers. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that the, the case for younger people getting involved is nothing if not that, because that's not going to change until who's voting changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, the fact that like AOC was, I think, 29 when she first ran, maybe even 28 when she first mm-hmm. started running, is like huge and then the fact that someone you know ran at least in a primary here in texas last spring that was even younger than her is even better mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately she didn't win but i i it was jessica um Cisneros, but i i know yeah. she'll be back mm-hmm. um you know so i think that that's the kind of thing that really can shift things is to kind of just it's time for a different generation to take the reins yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Then we'll have. What to- about the two of you? Do you have any political aspirations? No, I like I watch the news, you know, like when Trump gave speeches and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. think there was this. Um, I think this year, yeah, I think there was this. What is it called? Like you know, when all the, like the senator Kamala Harris, uh, talked about like her views 
on every i think there's this i forgot what it's called but it was this program and then you can in the basic all the senators of the states basically talk about their views on a lot of things and stuff i don't know what it's mm-hmm. called but yeah i watched it and it was like pretty good debate um for me i don't i'm not really into political i got i <laughs> I, i follow like the major things i guess yeah. um my dad watches like turns on the news a lot so i guess like you know sometimes i'll sit with him and mm-hmm. watch it so like I'm, yeah i'm not really into that yet but i should <laughs> i mean I like i feel we should know so maybe the basic things about politics like what's happening so if someone yeah, quizzes sure. us then we should know how to answer <laughs> yeah. so i always think yeah. that because my mom was just like oh she need to learn some politics because they know a lot of things about stuff happening in india and they like named someone from india and i was like well, who's that it's like see you have to read the news this is why you need to know politics so you my parents do the same exact thing exactly for, for the u.s <laughs> and my dad just comes up and comes up to me and he's like do you know what's going on right now and i'm Like, you know, like, you have to start watching the news one. I'm like, I know, I know I will. Well, and it's a lot of, like, it's a lot of information to digest, right? right? Yeah, and, like, you know, especially in television news, it's just, like, so, ugh, I don't know. I, yeah. I watch television news, like, once every two years, and it's usually wow. on election <laughs> night, like, to watch the coverage. <laughs> Because I just can't. stand yeah. it like it's not real journalism it's like yeah, they yeah, figure yeah. out like whatever like story of the day is and then mm-hmm. they spend like 90% of their time talking to like unqualified people that they try and pass off as adjacent to the story <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> yeah exactly um but one of the things that i know both of my kids liked to do to kind of just keep up on what's going on um mm-hmm. my son's kind of a politics junkie so he reads all kinds of stuff now <laughs> but um You know, there's a lot of like little email newsletters that you can get every day that basically mm-hmm. just like digest the headlines for you. Oh, like, oh yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. here's what happened today. Like there's like the skin yeah. or there's mm-hmm. like um yeah, exactly. there's one that's kind of funny and it's it's definitely like left leaning but it's called what a day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. And then like I don't know. It helps me digest some of the crazier things that have yeah. come out of the Trump mm-hmm. administration because mm-hmm. it like gives them to you with a heavy dose of sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually in my AP US history class we were actually talking about the news and my teacher was like a lot of the news articles that you're probably reading are maybe not true. Like so, yeah. so like a lot of them might be too biased or like you know like Fox News or like CNN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they he said to like stay away from those sources. Find sources that are not are reliable. So reliable mm-hmm. sources. So like he was like telling me that most of these articles are just for um what's that phrase called? Oh god. You know the headliners the, the Like clickbait? Clickbait. Yes, that. Yeah. A lot of these uh news articles are just clickbait. So you have to be careful about what mm-hmm. you read and make sure your source is a real reliable source and i was like yeah. oh oh god yeah so i was just like going through my i have a google news app right and i was going through the news outlets or like see which things pop up first and like it was cnn and like all the other news sources weren't as reliable so mm-hmm. like i had to change some sources and find yeah yeah and i mean cnn is you know they're probably not going to print something that's outright false Yeah. But they are often going to take the most um, you know, kind of dramatic angle mm-hmm. on something, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um 
but yeah, you know, and there's different, but it's tricky too, because then yeah. like, you know, for example, I pay for a New York Times subscription, but yeah. like, if you don't pay for it, you only get like, I don't know, I think it's like six articles a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just check the news like on my phone. It's just mm-hmm. like the daily kind of news on Google. And then yeah. I just read those every day, like interesting stuff about, you know, what's happening. Like COVID's happening. So that's the only case. Mm-hmm. That's the only news I see. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in those cases, like when you're clicking on those articles, it's great mm-hmm. to like actually look at, okay, who wrote this? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Cause you know, some of the, I've even seen some crazy stuff come up on Google because, you know, you don't want to be reading something that was, rich, you know, written right. by like a Russian yeah. hacker or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. another question we had is that, Ms. Jen, you're a life coach. So what are some tips you can give for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so talking to people your age, which I'm assuming is most of your listeners, from a life coach perspective. So two of the things that I would say are, you know, a lot of times when people think about life coaches, they think about like goals and goals are really important. You know, you always want to like set goals and kind of that sort of thing. So, but that can also be a little bit misleading. So when I talk to people about setting goals, the three things that I usually focus on are making sure that it's like something achievable Mm-hmm. Like if you have a big goal, like, I don't know, I want to go to medical school or something like break it down to like, okay, what do I need to do toward that? in like the next month or maybe the next three months and come up with something that's like that you can actually do. That's reasonable. You know, mm-hmm. that isn't like, okay, if I completely kill myself, I could do this, you know, but that's uh-huh. sort of like, yeah, this seems reasonable. This will keep me on track. This will like get me where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And then work toward your goal, write it down. Mm-hmm. I always suggest that people write it down mm-hmm. and like find a way to kind of keep yourself accountable. So maybe that's like you partner up with somebody and they're like your accountability buddy and you say, okay, I'm going to do this by this date. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, achievable, accountable. And then the third thing is um, when you finish your goal, when you do the thing that you set out to do, don't forget to celebrate and reward yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think it's really easy for us to kind of like take our accomplishments for granted mm-hmm. and just like yeah. kind of the box and move on. But it's actually, you know, not only just better for your mood and your general, you know, positive mental health, mm-hmm. there's like a neurological reason to reward yourself when you meet a goal. Because when you do that, when you set an achievable goal and then you achieve it and then you like celebrate and reward yourself. Um, and it doesn't have to be like huge, but decide ahead of time. Like, yeah, when I accomplish this, I'm going to do this for myself. Yeah. Um, you're actually like creating a pattern in your brain that's repeatable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're oh, actually okay. and making it more likely that you're going to, you know, complete your next goal as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some good tips. And also, I think, Mega, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, okay. So, like, I looked on your website, and you talk about something called a revolution and soul of, <laughs> soul of revolutionary. So, what, is, what does that mean? Yeah, so that's one of the things that really gets to the heart of kind of that, like, the feminism that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. But it's yeah. essentially, you know, when I talk about people who have, like, the soul of a revolutionary, I'm talking about the people who really want to get in touch with who they are Mm -hmm. and not kind of be 
driven by like all of the external factors, if that makes sense. So a lot of the people that I work with are, um, you know, artists or people in the nonprofit world or um, activists like that kind of thing. Um, And it's just really this idea that being truly authentic and being yourself is more important than trying to live up to external expectations. Mm -hmm. But in the culture that we live in, that's kind of revolutionary. (laughs) Because it's sort of like the opposite of what we're trained to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. another thing I saw is that it's tarot card reading. So, do you like predict people's future? So, what is it and what do you predict? Because it was super it's interesting. It's so funny like, that maybe... you're like bringing this up because I literally just started offering this service publicly. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> like two days so ago. Yeah, no, like, I, made I, was, I was actually on your website and then I saw you did tarot card readings and I was oh, like, really? Marcia, wow. She, yeah, Marcia, she does tarot card readings. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I know. So I don't, you know, really say that I predict the future. So this is something that I've done. I started doing it when I was probably like, you know, the age that you two are now. Um, And I, you know, it's just something that I have kind of done for a really long time. And then, you know, in my, like maybe six or seven years ago, I started on a really intensive tarot self-study that I'm actually still working on. But anyway, um, so the way that I use the cards are essentially like, you know, we're looking at like with whatever cards we flip in the course of a reading, like just a picture Mm -hmm. of kind of the energy around you right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of like an opportunity to see, okay, what's kind of going on? What do I sort of want to be aware of um, or want to think about? And then, you know, I'm a life coach, so I can't help myself. There's probably some coaching that happens in the course of my journeys too. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of just a chance for people to kind of get a look at like the energetic picture around them to think about some things that are going on in their lives and think yeah. about some things that they might want to pay some more attention to mm-hmm. or, you know, make a decision around or those kind of things. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's cool. Okay. That's still interesting. It's like one of those things that I had done for like friends and then, you know, it sort of became like friends of friends. And uh-huh. at some point when it started be- to become like friends of friends of friends <laughs> <laughs> and beyond, I was like, oh yeah. They, like, and people kept telling me, they're like, you should charge for this. And I was like, huh, maybe. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So so how do if people ever need help so how do we connect with you like uh, is there videos or like appointments or like how does your system work yeah so basically um you know my website is 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 super easy because it's just my name it's (laughs) jenpavage.com yeah and so i do offer a number of free you know resources to people the easiest way to get those is to sign up on my newsletter list which is i think it's at the bottom of every page on my mm-hmm. website and then um you know because i have like a um you know a free ebook and like some other things and then there are um opportunities to just book appointments yeah. on my site as well mostly what you'll see at the bottom of like my coaching practices is just an opportunity to you know sort of have a virtual coffee with me mm-hmm. Because um, I really like to meet with clients ahead of time, make sure that I'm the best fit for them and, you know, that what I offer is going to be helpful to them. So, you know, I usually just have a little meet and greet and then we sort of decide whether to work together. Okay. That's cool. So we will link the website below if you guys want to check it out. Yeah. And so... 
Miss Jan, if you don't mind, would you like to answer some questions from our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So my friend um, at not underscore Srinivasa asked, what are your thoughts on the gender swap? And do you agree that the wage gap is a myth? So when you say the gender swap, do you know what they mean? About how like, you know, women have, you know, roles right now back then. In the beginning, we talked about that, right? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't think that we necessarily need to swap roles so mm-hmm. much as I don't think that roles should be gendered at all. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, people should just, and you know, like when you get to like in a family, well, that's going to take some negotiation. If you decide to have kids, um, you know, mm-hmm. right. there's certain things that just yeah. need to be done for kids, uh-huh. you know, so you have mm-hmm. to figure out like who does what, but yeah, like, I think that, you know, it's not so much a swap as just a equitable amount of respect and responsibility mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, rights. Mm-hmm. And do you think that about the wage gap? Do you agree that it's a myth, or do you like? Do you know why it exists? Um, I definitely don't think that the wage gap is a myth, um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's some pretty robust research to back mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. Um, and then there's even more robust research to back up the fact that um, you know white women are making less than white men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah but women of color are making even less than that. Um, And I think, again, the reason why it exists is, you know, there's, there's lots of different reasons why it exists, but it all in some ways comes from that core idea of how we value men versus women. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you look at the racial wage gap, like how we value, you know, people of certain races over others mm-hmm. in yeah. our economy. And I think the other thing that has to do with it is the vast yeah. majority of companies operate from mm-hmm. a place where there's not a lot of transparency in mm-hmm. terms of who's making what. And the way that raises happen is often through negotiation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're told over and over again that women don't ask for enough when they're in wage negotiations. And there is some truth to that, but there's also truth to the fact that when women ask for more money, it's perceived differently than when men ask for more money. If a man asks for more money, he's smart and he values himself. If a woman asks for more money, she's greedy. Oh, wow. Wow, I didn't miss that. (laughs) You know, I mean, so there's a lot of these kind of like stereotypes where, or, you know, people just look at a man and assume that he's the breadwinner, the head of the household supporting a family. And they look at a woman and just assume that she's the secondary income. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, do you have any other topics that you want to address about? I think we pretty much hit on everything. It's been so much fun talking to you guys. Thanks yeah, so much for having me on. Yeah, we were super excited. Yeah, um, and, and I like, will be sure to promote your podcast. Oh, oh thank, thank you so much. Really <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and on your website, I also heard they have a podcast called the Unquiet Sisterhood Podcast. So, what do you talk about, and why did you make it? So. um, you know, it was funny. Like I, I started it because I found myself in this position of having really super interesting conversations um, right. with women that I knew that I was mm-hmm. like, more people might be interested in hearing about this. Mm-hmm. So, and it was like the conversations that, you know, were things that 
we would start talking about and be like, oh my gosh, that's totally true. But like that were underneath the surface before that, like things that, you know, maybe aren't talked about as much or um, just different things and kind of like personal development. And so we kind of, you know, it's sort of different. It's really based on, um, I've interviewed all different women that do very different things. Like, you know, I've (laughs) interviewed a therapist, a comedian, Uh actually probably several therapists at this point um, (laughs) and several coaches and, you know, um, some writers, some people in politics, like some, you know, so just kind of like, interesting conversations that Mm -hmm. I I wanted to share and sort of highlighting women doing interesting things, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, I really like the name to the Unquiet Sisterhood. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Interesting. (laughs) It's so funny. When I came up with that, it was really like a placeholder. I wasn't sure if I liked it. (laughs) And now it's kind of become this all-encompassing thing. (laughs) Because I also have a Facebook group called that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it fits what I'm doing. Yeah, it definitely does. It's a perfect name. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to listen to her podcast, it's on her website. And the link will be in the description below. So thank you so much for joining. Um, Feminism is a major topic in today's society. And I'm really happy that we got to discuss about it. I learned a lot and this was super helpful. Yeah, feminism is such a huge topic. And honestly, the debate still continues. Now, thanks to Miss Jan's advice and thoughts, it has definitely helped me. And I'm really glad that we got to address this issue through this podcast and I have like deeper insight about it. And even though we still addressed it, the, the problem is still there. It's not like it just disappeared exactly. like yeah. we wished, but it's going to be still there. And all you have to do is have a voice and also click on the links below to help. So along with Mega and I, we thank all our listeners around the world for supporting and loving us. Follow at MBTalks2020 on Instagram for shoutouts and requests. Our active listener shoutout for this week goes to... <laughs> at j.k.n.126. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening to all our episodes. And thank you so much for the feedback. We love it. And again, thank you so much, Miss Jen, for joining. Thank we... you. Always remember to stay safe and positive. Yeah, we will like Miss Jen's website. We've said it so many times, so make sure to check it out <laughs> if you want to receive updates on our latest episodes. For example, who will be bringing in the future episodes? Make sure to subscribe to our emailing list. Have a great day, everyone. It's me, Varsha. And Mega. Signing, signing off. off. There once was a woman, a host with the most, with plenty of Coca-Cola for a holiday toast. She headed out to share a Coke with friends in town, but outside the door was a gift on the ground. So she reached inside and read the letter. Have a Coke, old friend, because together tastes better. This season, say thank you to family, friends, or neighbors by sharing a nice cold Coke. Because sharing brings us together, and we know together tastes better. Pick up a Coke at your nearest Meyer and share it today.